I'm rejoicing. And as I'm praying, I'm giving thanks. So I'm like, yeah, it fits good. And I don't know if that's the intention or not. But I told him, I said, look, the Bible says here in this context that these believers were to always pray. And I told him, I said, prayer is about dependence. That's what it's about. It's about, that's partly what it's about. I'm depending on the Lord Jesus. Why do I go to him? I'm depending on him. I'm trusting in him. Right? When we pray, why do we pray? Communion with the Lord. Why do we pray? Intercession. Give thanks. Fellowship. Yeah. Fellowship. Do what? Petition. Confession. It's his will. I like, I like all those. I love that fellowship piece. It's that I'm interacting with the one that bought me, with the one that's my savior, with the one, listen to this, with the one that cares about everything that goes on in my life. So I asked him, I said, well, I don't know how many of you pray. I have no idea. But I said, if you know the Lord, you've been commanded to pray. See, all three of these things that he lists here are commands. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ. All three are commands. He's not asking them, hey, what do you think about this? He's saying, this ought to be a part of your life. And so that's what I told him. I said, well, you know, he's just telling them this is what you need to be doing. I like what C.H. Spurgeon says. Oh, well, I forgot about that one. I do like this, so I'm going to stop. Greek scholars use the adverb translated without ceasing to describe a hacking cough. Isn't that interesting? It would be a foolish question to ask you if you've had a hacking cough. Because you likely have. What comes to your mind when you think about a hacking cough? I can't stop. Noise. Who said noise? That was good. Noise. You want to send the person in the other room, right? Hey, I'm sorry you're coughing. There's a room down, down the hall. All right? Please don't come close to me when you're coughing. A hacking cough, right? You just can't stop. Okay? When I first started taking blood pressure medicine, lisinopril, I coughed all the time. You can ask ladies in the office or Teresa. All the time. It was cough, 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 cough. So when you look at that, it's like, hey, the idea of this is that we would always unceasingly pray. I like it like this because this makes sense to me in everyday living. <clears throat> I should always unceasingly depend upon my Savior. Now, Spurgeon. He's got, I don't know how many quotes on prayer. He says, prayer is a natural outgushing. Now, do you know when you type outgushing, you're going to have a little red line under it? Yes, Spurgeon didn't know that. 
of a soul in common with Jesus. All right? And then he wrote, sometimes we think we're too, oh, I really like this one, too busy to pray. That is a great mistake for praying is a saving of time. How is it a saving of time? Class? Yes, worry less. I just give it to the Lord. Giving it to you, Lord. You know, I mean, I'll never forget when the surgeon said, hey, we're going to cut you open. And, I mean, okay, what could I do about it? Well, I could lie there and I could just say, no, nah, I don't want the surgery and go home and fall down and die. Or I can just say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you in this. And listen to this. And this is for me. Whether I woke up or not, here, I win. You believe that? You better, because as you get older, those doctor visits are more often. And they're going to tell you things, and some things are hard to hear. And I do not know how an unbeliever handles bad news. But I do know this, that even in the midst of the greatest difficulties, believers can handle things saying, Lord, I don't understand but I'm trusting you. I believe in you. It's the wisdom of Solomon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? So, a couple of things about the habit of praying that I wanted to give you. As you pray, remember the need to depend on him in every circumstance. You know, one that you go through as parents, as your children... Man, how many times you're like, well, maybe I can change their mind about this, or maybe they'll come to see this. And the best advice I can give you as a parent is pray for your children. As you pray, list the things which you're currently rejoicing over. That's a good thing, isn't it? My grandpa Almond did that really well. These, the Philippians passages, those were his favorite passages. He had a Bible and a hymnal next to his chair. And he was always thinking about the different ways he could rejoice in the Lord. Especially as he got older. And any time you came to the house, I don't care who you were or how many times he had, had a discussion with you. He was going to talk to you and he was going to pray with you. He was going to talk to you about his salvation and he was going to... He didn't, it didn't matter if you'd been there 20 times. He was going to talk to you about his salvation. Because he was truly, truly thankful for the Lord changing his life. So, as you pray, list the things which you're currently rejoicing over. And then third, as you pray, give the Lord thanks for what he brings to your mind. And I emphasize that last phrase, what he brings to your mind. One of the disciplines that the Lord has, I guess, given me over the years kind of open my eyes to is that last phrase, what he brings to your mind. Do you know that there are times when he brings you to my mind? I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden, Robbie Roberts, why am I thinking about Robbie Roberts? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever just gone down the road and driving and you're going, Patrick Rose, no. Why am I thinking about Patrick Rose now? You drive a little bit further, 
why am I thinking about Brenda Long? I hadn't seen Brenda Long in Walmart in forever. I see her here on Sunday morning. You know, I'm driving along, and the Lord puts these teenagers and these children on my mind. Is that an accident? No. Listen to me. Do not, I'm saying this nicely, do not ignore the people that God puts on your mind. Don't do it. And you know what we can do nowadays? I didn't bring it with me. You can text someone instantly. You say, well, that I really don't want to call them. I don't want to embarrass them. Text them. Hey, the Lord had you on my mind. I'm praying for you. Do you have to know why you're praying for them? No, you don't. And you know what? I want to give thanks. The Lord has put people in this church at times. I, they must have been driving down the road going, Dad, I wonder what he's doing. And, and they text me. I'm praying for you. These things are critical, guys. Critical, critical I believe, to growth in a Christian life. You're saying, Thad, did you give them all these things? No, I didn't give them all this. I'm still, still telling you that story. But I did talk to them about always praying. And then the last thing that Paul says to them, and I was talking to them about, you know, what he tells Christians to do. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So attached to this specific command is God's will. That doesn't mean that it wasn't God's will in terms of rejoicing or praying, right, or not quenching the Spirit. It obviously is. But he uses it, Paul does, as he's writing in this particular verse. So as we think about this issue of, of uh, giving thanks in everything, there's a couple things that we have to consider. First, it's God's will. And secondly, it's God's will for all of you who belong to Christ. You know, he didn't write and say, this is God's will for... This person and this person and this person, but the rest of you are exempt. No, he said, it's God's will for all of you in Jesus Christ. So I told them, I said, you know, you think about giving thanks, what comes to your mind? So I ask you this morning, when you think about giving thanks, what comes to your mind? Class? Salvation. Anything else? Huh? Health. Blessings. Relationship. Grace. When I think about Thanksgiving, one of the things I think the church could learn would be that can happen more than just one time a year. Sovereignty. <laughs> giving thanks in everything. Man, that's, that's a tall command, isn't it? How can a person give thanks in everything? I, I mean, I've got answers, but how, I want to hear from you. You've been living the Christian life a long time. Many of you have. God's sovereignty. You're trusting Him, Right? 
Right? And, and remember Solomon's, all of Solomon's wisdom. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on what? Hey, guys, we're not living on this earth forever. Did you know that? And as I get older, these years just seem, good, seem to just go by. And I think one of the things that's hard for us to face, hard because we're human. You know, for us, heaven's still a what? It's a mystery. Right? What we know is what's in front of us. And we're comfortable with that. Even through hard circumstances, we're comfortable with what we know. We're comfortable with who we know. I know my wife, I know my husband, I know my kids, I know my grandkids. Have you, how many times have you thought about this, though, that the Lord has all of our days numbered before there was even one? Have you thought about how we would behave if we knew all our days? I think one of the hardest disciplines in the Christian life is what Paul is talking about here, giving thanks. You know, you have children that have disease. You ever been to Children's Hospital? Years ago, I took a youth group to Children's Hospital. And um, I wanted them to see the other side of the track, so to speak, with kids. It's an eye-opener. But some of the most content kids that I've ever seen are those kids that are in children's hospital. It's amazing. Some of the attitudes that they have. Sometimes, it, I mean, it, it's, it's a, what's the word? It's an indictment against the church when the world seems to behave better than we do when it comes to circumstances. See, we understand the bigger picture we understand that the Lord is coming for us. We understand that he might take us to be with him. So how's that going to look in my life? How's that going to look in your life? I have no, no idea how many days I have left. But I know the Lord wants me to give thanks for every single day I do have. In the late 1800s, George Mueller operated an orphanage that at one time had a thousand orphans. One morning, there's no food to eat. But he called all the children, he called all the staff together, and he prayed, thanking God for his provision of food, even though there wasn't any food on the table. A few minutes later, a baker knocked on the door. He told Mr. Mueller, God had led me to bake bread the night before and give it to you. <laughs> before the bread was given to the children, a milkman knocked on the door. He said that his milk truck had broken down and he wanted to give the milk to the orphanage. He's sitting there with his staff and with those kids 
in the midst of nothing on the table, and he's saying, Lord, thank you for your provision. Boy, those kind of Christians of faith are, seem to be few and far between, but aren't we thankful for their examples? So I told the folks on Wednesday, I said, look, um, and I only did this in 20 minutes, so obviously I didn't say everything I'm saying this morning. I said, look, here are these commands. Always rejoice. Without ceasing, pray. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I said, if you were approaching that scripture, and you just looked at chapter 5 and went to that section on Christian conduct, you might walk away going, ooh, I need to do this and this and this and this. And it becomes this checklist. You know, I accomplished this today, or I accomplished that today. Or I didn't, really, I didn't do that today. And I said, that'd be a rough way to approach that. I said, if you're approaching this scripture, though, within the bigger framework and context of the letter, then rejoicing and praying and giving thanks, it's awesome. Here's the bigger context. I told him, I said, do you know what Paul tells them in chapter 4? He tells them in chapter 4, that, he, that the Lord Jesus is coming for them. And so I read him these verses. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And I told him that word asleep there means dead. So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. I said he's writing to Christian people who know the Lord Jesus... And he's identified in this very first verse that there are people out in the world that don't have hope. But we don't have to grieve like those without hope. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. I told him, I said, hey, Paul just took himself out of that equation. He's putting all this on the authority of Christ. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And I explained that to him briefly. Then I said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Good news? Good news for them. You just take it to the historical context. What are these people worried about hey they're worried about those who had gone before their loved ones what's what's going on with them paul so he says then we who are alive and remain we caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so we shall always be with the lord and i told him i said hey guys one day the lord's coming back and he's coming back for those that belong to him. <laughs> now that, that this started, okay, it started getting different. It's one thing to talk about giving thanks. It's another thing to stand up in front of people who you do not know, who you have no idea if they've ever heard this, and say, hey, one day Jesus is coming back. That's why they can rejoice always. <laughs> that puts a whole different spin on it. That's why they could give thanks in every circumstance, because they knew the Lord was coming back. 
So this is one thing to tell an audience. Hey, this is what God tells you to do. But it's another thing to tell an audience, hey, the Lord Jesus is coming back in everything you thanks. Hey, the Lord Jesus is coming back. Always rejoice. Okay. That's different, isn't it? That's different than listening to, you need to do this. So in the context, I told him, I said, and listen to how he ends this section. He says, because all this is true, comfort one another with these words. I said, but you know what? That's not the only thing they could rejoice about or give thanks over. In chapter 5, he tells this group of people in Thessalonica, not only was the Lord Jesus coming back for them and for those who had already died, but he says, hey, look, you've been spared from the wrath to come. I told that audience that Wednesday morning. I did. I said, wrath is coming. It's coming. And I told them all along the way, I'm using this phrase constantly. Look, guys, I don't know where you are, where you stand in all this, but it's really, really important that you would know these truths, that Jesus Christ is coming again, and that wrath is coming on the earth. It was a quiet room. I read to them the promise that Paul gives in verse 9 of chapter 5. He says, I love the pro, you love pronouns, I do. For God has not destined us. Notice Paul includes himself in that. (laughs) I'm right away, us. For God has not destined us for wrath. When's that wrath coming? Tribulation. Subsequent to the Lord coming for his church, the wheels are going to start spinning. And listen to me. Revelation, I told him Wednesday, I said, look guys, we don't have time this morning, obviously. I know what you want to know right now. I know what you're thinking. How would you do that in 20 minutes? I did it with the help of the Lord. I said, look, when the Lord comes back, I said, he's coming for his church. Those that belong to the Lord Jesus. And I explained that to them. And I said, look, those that remain on the earth are going to go through wrath. The tribulation period. That's what it's called in the Bible. I said, if you want to read about it, I said, you can read Revelation 6 through 18, 19. You're going to be introduced to some things maybe that you never have been before. But one of the things that Paul tells his audience is, hey... We've not been destined for that wrath. Have you read about the wrath of the Lord? Paul says, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a picture. Who died for us So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are also doing. I said, woo! I might have even said woo at seven whatever in the morning. I said, listen to me. I said, 
Now think about rejoicing and giving thanks. Now remember, if it's written, written to this original audience in Thessalonica, these believers, if, you, if he started with chapter 5 in the middle with Christian conduct, it would be like, oh my goodness, look at all this stuff I have to do. He didn't. He started with the hope of the Lord Jesus coming for his church. And then he puts icing on the cake and says, hey, look, you've not been destined for us. I said, hey, guys, I said, um, for me, I can give thanks because I know that my Lord Jesus is coming for me. And he's coming for every single person that belongs to him. That's trusted in him alone for their salvation from sin. And I said, I also have been promised according to God's word because I pull it out. That I've not been destined for the wrath to come. I said, well, that might put a little different twist on rejoicing and on giving thanks. I didn't even pray to close because I didn't know if it was allowed. The person that invited me just said, thank you very much. So after I finished, anytime you're speaking, you're going to have people that come, oh, we appreciate you coming. First lady came up to me, she said, hey, Thad, what are those two terms you talked about at the beginning? How do you spell those? Exegesis and eisegesis. She said, I'm not sure we do that where I go to church. And I, I said, okay. I said, happy to spell it for you. And, and if you want the definitions, I can give them to you right now. And so we talked a little bit. Then about for the next three to four conversations, I, I'll just put it this way. I loved the way they responded. No one came up and said, oh, I enjoyed that. They all, to a person, said something about exegesis and eisegesis. All of them. And there were about seven to eight that responded. See, that's not too many. Oh, yeah, it is. When you're dealing with that kind of technical language. So, so they came up. We talked. I'll never forget this one man, though. He's probably 70. 75 in that area. He comes up and I'm standing there and I'm about to leave. He says, hey, Thad, I've never heard anything like that in my life. He's, he, 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 I'm paraphrasing. How did you get that out of that? I said, well, you got to study. I didn't know what else to tell him. And... Um, he just looked at me, just stared at me for a minute. He said, man, I really appreciate that. I said, hey, anytime. Love to come back. <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever invite me back or not. <laughs> but I know this, that when I left that room, I was saying, thank you, Lord. And one of the first things I thanked him for was the education I had and the professors I had at Southeastern Bible College, who taught me how to study the Bible. And two of them are in this room. And one of them I had Bible study methods with, the one with the LSU <laughs> pendant on this morning. 
And guys, I want to tell you something. I enjoy, I love speaking every Sunday here. I enjoy teaching God's Word. But I really enjoy speaking in other places at times. You know, part of it is because they don't have any idea who I am. Um, but it, it's one of those things that when I left that day, I also I was thanking the Lord for my background and, and my bringing up and stuff. But I was thinking about those people. I thought, Lord, I got in my truck, and I was like, Lord, how many of those people have never had somebody explain to them the simple things like the gospel. I've got another story for you next week. And um, and we're going to use the word, obviously. But I've got another story for you next week. And I'm going to tell you what it revolves around, and I want you to be thinking about it. I'm going to do a little Christmas series beginning the 4th of December. Um, But next week, um, I am going to do a message on developing your testimony. That's what the Lord's led me to. And part of it comes from a story I'll tell you about next week. I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. One of the things I hope that we do, all of us, is that when we sit around the table or whatever it is you do, that there's time given and devoted to saying, Lord, I thank you for this. So I challenge you husbands and fathers to to lead your home in that. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute message. It can just be a five-minute sharing around the table. I wanted to also encourage you that it's an opportunity when you're with your family and friends because we do know, don't we, when we're sitting with family and friends, we have a pretty good idea about who those who belong to the Lord and maybe even those that don't. So I want to encourage you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're going to, Ron picked out a video we're going to close with this morning. We're going to show it in just a moment. Make sure that you think about your own testimony because I'm going to be asking you to do something for me uh, next week. But... Um, also, make sure you picked up, pick up that canned cranberry sauce to go with all the things you plan to eat. Because if you don't have canned cranberry sauce, then you have not done Thanksgiving properly. All right. All right. Let's show the video. Then you're dismissed. Father, We thank you for walking with us in good times and in bad, for shelter and safe spaces. We thank you when we have more than we need and when we struggle to get by. We thank you for how your creation leaves us in awe wherever we look. We thank you through the adventures and the everyday routines. We thank you for friendships 
and family, for laughter, comfort, and warmth. We thank you for new beginnings and closed doors. We thank you for the times when we should build and when we should start over. As seasons change and we walk into an uncertain future, we cling to you, the one who holds it all in your hands. From beginning to end, from death to life, from shattered to saved, we thank you. Thank you.